Hello and welcome to the Hairdresser Strong Show. I am your host, Robert Hughes, and I am here today with Presley Poe, owner of Gold Studios, international cutting specialist at Hattori Hanzo, Cosmoprof artistic team, and heading up an upcoming event that we'll talk more about later. Presley, would you introduce yourself to all of our viewers and listeners who haven't met you before? Hello, darlings. Presley Poe here. Excited to get to know you a little better. So, Presley, where are you located at? I live in Portland, Oregon for eight years now, but I'm originally from Oklahoma. Okay, awesome. And so uh, <laughs> did you find your way to, uh, to Oregon from, from Oklahoma with, the, with your work and the industry and your craft? No. <laughs> I feel like I visited and then I um, made the really big decision that this is just where I was supposed to be. And so I kind of bit the bullet and gave up a very settled life nice. and rooted and went 2600 miles and then my business from nothing. <laughs> nice. So uh, speaking of business, so is this uh gold studios? Is this uh is this your salon? Yeah, yeah. And I call it studio because I've always been against owning a salon because to me it seemed like too closed off and I wanted a space that was more community focused so I call it a studio okay and so you were doing hair but how long ago was that did I open my salon yeah about well it was a year in November a year in November yeah and how have you been in Oregon September will be eight years, which is okay. insane. Like, okay, what even happened to the time? Like, what happened to the time? I don't know. It's insane. Well, uh, did you did you go to hair school in Oklahoma or oh, doing a? Oh yeah, next to a Taco Bell. So you go to you work at you worked at uh, or sorry you went to hair school and then you were working at a salon in Oklahoma. And uh, how long before you decided to leave Oklahoma? I had been doing hair in Oklahoma. Let's see. So I moved here eight years ago. I've been doing hair for 21 years and I am, you know, I'm a hairdresser, not a mathematician. So whatever that is. I can do the math. Okay. Okay. So, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, you, you seem to be pretty active in the industry in various ways. You know, you have a salon, uh, you do international cutting specialist and the cause of prop artistic team. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about like how you got into that stuff? You know, I think we, including myself, make it seem really, really difficult. Like that is the thing about hairdressers. Like we make things so much more difficult than they need to be. Like our little brains just work on overdrive. And when I moved to Oregon, I had a singular purpose of living where I wanted to live and following my dream of being an educator. And I had no freaking clue on how to do that because for 10 years, it just like didn't work, you know, but, um, I just thought, okay, who do I want to work for? And at the time it was a toss up between Kevin Murphy and Pravana, but Kevin Murphy had just released color and Pravana was really settled and I'd already been using them for like a decade. So I just decided to do my research and see what it would take to be an educator for them. Turns out it's actually pretty easy. It's literally on their website. It says how to become an educator and you just go click. And then I did all the things that weren't easy 
to get the job. Um, and yeah, so that was like the beginning. And, you know, I feel like no matter where I am in this industry, like Pravana will always have been like my parental figures, you know, like they're the ones who saw something in me and said, we want to nurture that and trained me in a way that I think I will be forever grateful for. Like they have incredible training as, as educators. They really do. Um, they set you up really well, but yeah, so I started working for Pravana and then about a year later, and I, I truly believe this is like manifestation mixed with hard work. I've always wanted to blur the lines between hair cutting and hair color. Like, I just think that we put them in two different categories when they're not so different. Um, they're just different representations of shape and both work with light, you know? Um, anywho, so about a year into working for Pravana, I just got a call from Hattori Hanzo and I literally had no idea who these guys were. And I went to one of their events and yeah, I just started educating like that next year. So for the last eight years, I've been educating in hair cutting and hair color and independently. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, so you said something uh, earlier, you said uh, you did all the, you did the easy thing of, you know, taking the first step and applying. And then you said you did all the hard stuff. What was, <laughs> what was, what was that hard stuff? I've never spoken in people. Well, at the time I had never spoken in front of people in my life. And oddly, I know, and like, no one will believe me, but I'm, I can actually be quite shy and definitely not a public speaker. I had no training whatsoever. And they ask you to submit like a two hour class and you have to present it to the director of education, you know, no pressure. And well, that was at the time I had to present it to the director of education and the, um, the show director because to see if they want to put you on platform work. So I ended up doing a class with headphones and a noisy salon trying to like, you know, speak to these people about something in a way in which I knew, and I don't know if I actually knew what the hell I was talking about, but, um, and then, so I was making no money because I had just moved here and I was working in this little, you know, I don't know if I can cuss, but butthole salon in St. John's, Oregon, they were not nice to me and they did not support social media whatsoever. And so making no money. And then I had to figure out a way to pay all of my bills and go to LA for training two times for like a week at a time. Um, but you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And somehow I did it. And, and then you have to speak in front of your peers. And what a lot of people don't know, because now I speak on stages in front of thousands of people and yes, I still get nervous, but at the same time, it's kind of like, people are people, you know, and no one in that room wants you to fail. At least that's like how I think about it. But speaking in front of my peers, the first time I tried to speak, literally nothing came out of my mouth. Like it's never happened. It didn't happen until then. And it hasn't happened since then, but literally words would not come out of my mouth. It was crazy. 
And that was probably one of the hardest things I've, I've ever had to do in my career was to speak in front of my peers. Yeah. It was brutal. So did you, uh, did you have to do any like, uh, like practicing or anything? Or you just kind of jump right into it. Well, here's the thing. If someone looks at me or any educator and they're like, I want to be an educator. I want to educate so bad. I'd be like, okay, so here's what you have to do. Like I'm dead serious, straight up. If you have a pencil in your hand, you should be able to speak about that pencil for like a solid five minutes. Like, and people are like, I'm sorry, what? And that's exactly what they did to us. They handed us these little index cards and it had like a product on it. And on the back of it, it had like the product information. And they started us with like a one minute presentation, then a three minute, and then a five or 10 minute presentation or something like that. And that's, that's how we did it. So you have to study that, you know, which I mean, you have like five sentences and then you'd have to make a presentation from it. Um, and then speak to it in front of your peers. Nice. Super easy. You know, we're like naturals at it. Yeah. I was not the first time, the second time I slayed it though. Yeah. Second time I studied, like everyone would be out, like taking a smoke break or like doing whatever. And I was in the hall pacing, like reading my notes and reading my index card, like over and over and over. And I looked in the room and I thought, no one in here wants me to fail. Like, these are my friends. These are my peers. And then it kind of felt like a big warm hug instead of the scariest thing I'd ever experienced. And I like slayed my presentation. It was like five minutes about hairspray. Like who the hell could talk about hairspray for five minutes? I can, this guy, I can do it. You know, it's a whole thing, but there really is like a lot to talk about. It's like, you know, what the VOCs are, what the cans made of, is it recyclable? Like the misting and how it works and blah, blah, blah. And like how aerosol, it's like a whole thing. But anyway, yeah, stuff is brutal. Like there's a, there's an element of vulnerability that I think is really difficult for people. That moment that you have to look at the people around you and literally say like, I don't know, please teach me. Like you have to be teachable to be a teacher it it's wild do you so speaking of which i'm gonna just try to jump around a little bit um when in all of your like how often do you teach currently uh let's see i have about about six classes a month on average okay it's bonkers. Like I never, <laughs> I never in my life ever knew that I would be where I am. And, and it's like every day of stress and every month that I don't have a day off, I'm so thankful because it's the kind of stress that I've worked for. Like I worked so hard for this specific kind of stress, you know, and teaching is one of those things. It's like, it is unbelievably difficult. It literally takes everything out of you, but it gives so much back to you that it's like, there's this like addictive quality to it. of like, you get to see people's minds open up and then teaching people teaches you because you have to think about things in a different way. And it's just, it's so cool. But yeah, I never thought ever that I would teach so much. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot. Are there are these uh, all traveling? Look, are these local, virtual, combo? No, so I I'm 
I have an academy that I'm releasing on my uh, my own page, and so I do a, an in person class, and then I videotape the same class, and then I put that on there as edited, um, and then I'll teach like once a month for Hatori Hanzo. So I travel for them for about four days, and I teach four classes over two days. And then sometimes actually every month, I forget, I have classes that I do for Babylon who I work for. And we do those like in the mornings. So, wow. and then, you How know, much time you the huh? How much time are you behind the chair? Full time. What? <laughs> so, so I would, I think it's important to uh, expand. <laughs> I on love something. that you just like lost it though. <laughs> like you literally just looked at me like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you, you, I mean, I think that uh, it kind of want to go to something you said and you said uh, you never work this hard for, uh, or you work so hard for this stress uh, that you have. And that's like, you know, I, I would like to hear a little bit about that, what that work is and, uh, you know, kind of give some context to it. So you got the full-time job behind the full-time behind the chair and then you have your six classes and some of which are traveling and uh, some are in front of a camera and some are in front local, I guess, local stuff as well. Yeah, in my salon. So how long ago did this, uh, did you go for Pravana? Yeah, so I was with Pravana for five years and I became their head colorist within a year. And then, um, so for for five years. And then I was their head colorist for four years of that. And I was teaching with them, but I also did brand specializing with them. So it's one of those things like when someone gives you an opportunity, right? It's like, if you take the opportunity, I also want to take whatever opportunity there is to learn whatever's behind the scenes. So when I worked for Pravana as an educator, and then they offered me the brand specialist position, I knew that I would be able to see the industry from the insider platform on what it looks like to sell the product in the store. And so I would have a different perspective than just knowing and understanding like the product, right? So then that gives you other opportunities. It's kind of like watching the director's commentary when you watch a movie. Like it's completely unnecessary. You don't have to do it. But when you do, you see the movie in like a whole different light. And then you can present it in a different light and get to know companies in a different way. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's kind of, like I just try to do that with everything. But I guess the question was the stress that I work for. What was the question again? Sorry. Uh, well, I just um, I mean, you're kind of touching on it. The uh, the work that's involved and, uh, you know, you, you know, when what does that look like? Um, you know, to say, let's say, OK, how about this? I'll put it like this. If you if there is a rising stylist or 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 not necessarily rising as in like the first couple of years of their career but someone who just decided that they wanted to get into educating uh what would be your uh piece what would be your advice to them that if you are not drawn to it out of passion and like like a i don't know what the word is cuz it's not in Integrity, it's like I don't think you should do it unless 
it's something that you feel so compelled to do it that you can't not do it because it's really, really difficult work and it's inconsistent. Like you could make $20,000 from a class or you could make no money from a class. Um, if someone wanted to get into what I do, I would just let them know, like, you have to, it's your whole life. It's not a part of your life. Everything you do at all times is under a microscope. And I knew from the moment that I started with Pravana, that's when I started my social media. Everything was clean, like no cussing, no nudes, no anything like no thirst trap photos, like no nothing. Like the message instantly was very clear of what I was about, like education, artistry and integrity. And I still stand by that, like with my social media and it really is who I am. But you have to understand like companies, including people like me who might want to work with you with a company, they're vetting you at all times. Like everything you do, there's a paper trail, right? So like, like you have to represent, be the person that you feel like would you would want to present your own company, you know? Mm-hmm. That's good. Like, there's a couple, if you want to move into completely independent education and you want to like drop F-bombs and you want to do whatever, like know this, there are two ways to go about it, right? You can censor your content and yourself while building your content and companies will sign you and, you know, they will have the army to help build you, right? Like they've done all that work. But if you want to do just whatever you want to do and be whoever you want to present out into the public, like thirst straps, F-bombs, whatever you want to do, like then know that you're on your own and you have to build your own army because corporations, they can't get behind it. They simply can't. It's like the PR nightmare, you know? and HR nightmare. So when you do that, it's going to take longer and it's going to be way more difficult, but it, you know, what do you, it's just like, what do you right. want? Right. I so think either, I uh, bad. It's right. just a decision. Yeah. That's a pretty uh, powerful, powerful point you're bringing, you're making there actually. Because uh, people don't want to censor themselves, but um, it does make it does sound uh, it does make a lot of sense. Well, at the end of the day, the moment that you're educating for someone, the moment that you attack, you sign that piece of paper that says that you're working for a company, and this is the thing that people don't realize is it's not your message anymore. Like you are not teaching for you; you're teaching for them. And I think people forget that, that like you might be out there in the world doing your thing, but you're working for a corporation and corporations take long, a long time to make big changes. They, you know, they can't get behind certain things because of, you know, lawsuits like legitimately. So I think people just forget about it and they just see all the glamour of like you on the stage, but the back end of the work is that 
there's a lot of admin and all sorts of stuff. So it's, it's tricky. So, uh, I guess that's actually, I feel like a pretty good segue into, uh, you know, someone going out on their own and doing their own stuff. Is that what this Presley Poen friends is? Is this like your thing or is this tied to a brand or? No, but yes, but no. Um, okay. So I think this is a really good example of all of the work that I've done leading up to this, right? So this is not my show. This is actually a show for Hairdistry. I did one interview with him and I was so moved afterwards. And I didn't know it was like their, you know, very first or second like interview at a hair show. And it was a couple days later. I didn't know who they were. And this is a thing that I do often when I like someone, I find out how to get a hold of them. And then I contact them and say, hi, I really like you. How can I get you to like me back? And, um, so I ended up contacting the boys and I said, Hey, um, how are you being funded? And they're like, well, we're not, we're just doing it out of pocket. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And I was like, you're doing something so incredible in this industry. Like you're giving people like me a voice. People just think that we come out of nowhere and that like, Oh, who's this person who's all hot to try. They don't see like the blood, sweat, and tears that we've done for years to get where we are. Right. So I was like, you're giving people like myself a voice and others hope to be able to crack that code. And that's really important to me is to help other people succeed. And I said, I want to do whatever I can to help. And I said, we should have a freaking hair show and we should get you sponsors. And so seven months later, we had our first Presley Poen friends. So nice. really came to be because I just saw the integrity and the honor in, in the boys. And I was like, I want to attach my name to that. And now that we are having this one, one of our sponsors is actually Cosmoprof, which is a really big deal because corporations can't always do that. They are very budgeted and they're budgeted years beforehand. Like it's crazy. Like, they don't, we see what's happening now, but what people don't see, and this is what I'm thankful for, like doing the behind the scenes work is all the things that they're prepping for years in the future. Right. So when you want to do something with a corporation and you're like, why can't you support my show or whatever? And like, why can't you just give us $10,000? Like you're a corporation, like people do get like that. And it's because that money is allotted to different things. So it was actually a really cool thing that Cosmoprof stepped up and they were like, yeah, we want to sponsor it. And this is the cool kicker for me is that the vice president, his name is Jeff. He said, listen, I don't know these guys, but I know Presley and they attach themselves to people with integrity and honor. And if they're friends of Presley, they're friends of ours. And I was like, what? Like that, 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 that moment is like, I'm, I'm doing it right. Yeah. People like are it. associating my name with integrity and with honor and that they can trust me when I put my name on something that it's like for the greater good. Like those are the things that like make it worth it. Nice. That's awesome. So why don't you, uh, since we were talking about it, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what uh, this Presley and Pro Friends is all about? So 
in this industry, and I think among many industries, success happens when talent and networking collide. And we have built a space for people to, we've, we built an event to come off the stage, right? Of like, that it's not just, oh, there's these huge names and like celebrity hairstylists coming in and like doing this thing. It's like, no, we really, we're going to be like hands-on with you, like getting all ghost or what is that um, movie with Demi Moore? Is it ghost or like, like they come up, Patrick Swayze comes behind her, that whole thing, you know, it's very hands-on, it's very intimate. And so we wanted to create a space where people kind of take us off the pedestal and know that like we genuinely care, like a space of like real inclusivity, not just diversity, but inclusivity um, and building equity within that uh, through our partnerships with people and supporting all cultures and, and uh, just giving people an opportunity to network in a space where they wouldn't always find themselves in such an intimate setting with those people. Last time at Presley Poe and Friends, we had three friends get signed after the show. That was pretty incredible. That's cool. Because they were there and we were like, we love you. Just come like cut hair next to us or something. And they got signed. We were like, that was freaking dope. So yeah, um, we're creating a space that people feel like you're cared for. And hopefully taking a little bit of the the glitz and glamour away from it, you know, just getting down to the craft. Yeah. That's what it's about. We are all doing the same thing behind the chair. Literally. We all do care. You know, it's like the whole celebrity thing is such a farce. Like we all work in a salon. We all eat, drink and poop like everyone else, you know, like, come on. Beyonce poops, you know, um, for me, it's important to stay with people never above them. And I think that that's the environment that we're creating. Nice. That's awesome. So, um, so we talked about like, you know, you started in Oklahoma, you moved to, uh, you moved to Oregon and, uh, you decided you wanted to get into education. You got decided you wanted to get an education then. Is that right? No, I actually wanted to be an educator since the moment I went to school. Oh, really? Okay. I knew I wanted to be a hairdresser at four. And then I became, I got into school at 17. And then I knew from that moment that I wanted to be an educator, but it did not work out for me in Oklahoma. I just don't think it was meant to be. Okay. And then you moved to Oregon and you kind of went out and took the initiative and reached out to Pravana. And they, what, they told you what to do with this is these classes and this practicing and this public speaking stuff. And you went through all of that, built your, built your career up as through from Pravana. Yeah. And, and that took about five years before you started kind of branching off and doing some other things. Uh, it took a year before I started working with Hanzo too. So then, And so now, mind you, I had, I was working behind the chair full time, still building a clientele. Then I was working for Pravana as an educator. So I was going to all their shows, which is like six shows a year, which doesn't sound like a lot, but 
six months is half the year and one show every two months, every two months that you're gone for four to five days. Right. right? And then I was working for Hattori Hanzo. So I was on the grind for two years. I worked 28 days a month. There you go. Every month. Like I was traveling or working behind the chair and that's it. Like, and then, yeah. And I don't really know that it's changed that much, but sometimes I get time off yeah. and then I don't know what to do with it. I'm like, what do people do with this? You know, like I'm bored after like a day. I'm like, okay, well, I shopped, I ate, like watched a movie. Now what? Like, okay. Anywho. But yeah, I, it was a grind for two, two years to make sure that I wasn't just known for color anymore. And you have to rebrand yourself over and over too. And that is not easy to do. Rebranding. And then what is that? What does that mean? Like, is that like, yeah, like for anybody who doesn't know what that means, rebranding yourself. So for me, rebranding is always an, I don't believe in change. I believe in evolution. I think that change is a bandaid, right? Like change is just like, and I always refer to it as something like when you're in a partnership with someone and they're like, I'll change, I'll change. And then you're like, Oh my God, they did for three weeks. And they went right back to it, you know, because we can't do that. Right. It's like, we can change our actions, but it doesn't really change who we are. But if you incrementally grow, like if you just do something a little bit different every day, then you have evolution and you have this like building component, right? Cause you can build, but you can't take things away. So when I refer to rebranding, I mean it as I start to incorporate the things that I would like to be known for moving forward. So it's, I initially moved here and I was only known for short hair, short hair, barbering, hair tattoos, that sort of thing. Then it took me like another year or two to get people with long hair to trust me to color their hair. And then I got known for hair cutting. And then it was like, you know what I mean? It's like the slow evolution. And now finally I have a foot in the door in this community with curly hair. So now it's like, just build, 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 move, 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 evolve, evolve, evolve. So like, it's interesting. Like people will say that you're just following trends, which, okay. But also, isn't that what our industry is, is following trends. And that's how you grow is to, I mean, what's the alternative to stay doing like highlight low light for the whole (laughs) career? Like that sounds so ridiculous. Like, okay. Like, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Evolving to me is rebranding. So like, if you're out there and you want to get into curly hair like change your everything into like from barbering to now you cut long curly hair like this is just an example right and you just abruptly like put the brakes on you're like like i'm doing this and you erase everything you lose a huge margin of people because people will follow you because they like this thing that you do and then when you change it very abruptly it doesn't tend to work out well for people. So if you just start sprinkling things in and they go, Oh, that's cool. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Right. And then they don't notice as the shift happens because what 
I see how I see it is that you're allowing people to grow with you and be a part of that incorporation of whatever your next phase is in your next level. So I don't suggest rebranding abruptly. It's brutal and it, it can be career ending. I've watched it a couple of times. Okay. So are you living the dream right now? I'm literally living my dream. Sounds Every like it. Day. I'm like, what? are this like yesterday um cause of profit is having world of texture right now which is just freaking incredible my boys are there who keon he's amazing he's just like a ball of energy and john carlos is just like the prettiest dude on the planet and uh jeff he's the um the vice president of cosmoprof and a beautiful vibrant community of poc community uh, speaking to textured hair and he called me and we ended up like talking for like an hour and a half. And it's moments like those, like you guys, like, it's not about what people see. It's about what they don't see. Right. And that's integrity, right? Integrity is doing the thing behind closed doors that no one knows about. And what people don't know is that when you work for these companies, these industry, like these industry leaders, your work and your communication will circle through entire corporations. So like when I was working for Pravana, the entire Hinkle Corporation would talk about who was what and who was doing what, and they would share photos of people's work and conversations that were had. And then that would lead to opportunities of like, okay, we're going to have an in-house fashion show for only the vice presidents and executives of this with all these magazine industry leaders and blah, blah, blah. So we have to put the face of our company with this model to do that. No one sees that on Instagram, right? Like no one sees it on Facebook, but it's hugely impactful to your career. And to, you know, that's what I mean by when networking and talent collide, that when you connect yourself to people who have the same type of like perspective and those people just so happen to run a company. I'm like, that's it. You know, the fact that I can be like, I am, I genuinely care for these people. And now I get to have a different perspective and, and free education to like things like the world of texture and like get to talk to the VP about it. And like, we just like, are like, we're going to change the world. Like, it's so cool. You know, like those are the moments that it's like, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. That's amazing. Well, uh, this story is very, uh, very inspiring and also very educational. And uh, I I feel like a lot of people will have gotten something out of it. Uh, Would you, do you have any like last minute piece of advice for anybody, uh, whether they want to be an educator or whether they, they don't, and they just, uh, you know, checking your stuff out and think it's cool and anything before we wrap up? You know, I think honor And being an honorable person means to match what you say with what you do. And I think that that speaks volumes over social media, whatever. I think that that in and of itself is a presence and not a lot of people focus on it. And I think that it's helped me within my career. And I think that if we could do that individually, regardless of whether you want to be an educator, you just want to make your Instagram better, whatever, like it will draw people to you. 
And then if, if we can marry that, that, that honor system of, of being who we present and saying the things that we mean, then we can change the way that the world perceives what we do. And we can change someone's, oh, you're just a hairdresser to, oh my God, you're a hairdresser. Right. It's like, but we have, it starts with us. I love that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I like to wrap up each one of my episodes with a laugh by asking my guests to share their most embarrassing moment behind the chair or as it pertains to the work. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you have did you have something that comes to mind, something that may not have been funny, but when you look back on it, it's funny? Uh, I did a show for BTC and I had this super dope model and it was the first time that we were going to cut hair on stage and this is for Pravana and I was freaking out and I didn't, they were like, oh, it's like 10 minutes. I'm like, okay. But for some reason, my brain thought that the timer was going to be a countdown from 10 minutes. So I completely ran over and they have to pay so much money per minute. If you go over, it's like so much money. And my coworker was like yelling at me from behind the stage, Presley, Presley. And I was like, what? And like stopped everything and like freaked out on the middle of the stage and like ran to the back. And I was like, Oop, bye, like running off. And it, I just, it was one of those moments that was like mortifying at the moment. And now I'm like, Oh God, like, I wonder if that's on camera, you know, it's like a very, very, um, humanizing moment. <laughs> You were on stage and you ran over. Oh yeah. Oh good. Oh my god. And I was gosh. like cutting hair and I was like, yeah. And then I like didn't even notice like my teammates weren't there because they were all behind the scenes. Like, get off the stage. I'm like, oh no. Like I was like, oh snap, I gotta go. It was yeah, I was like, oopsie daisy. I was like, well, I don't know what happened there, but all right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty funny. And a whole 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 group of people just watching you. Oh yeah, thousands, like three thousand. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we played it off okay. Like the models crushed it, and I was like, "Oops, yeah, whole thing." That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, uh, and I thought this was great. And um, I really appreciate your time, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you at Presley Poe and Friends. And everybody, yeah. anybody watching or listening, uh, you can go to PresleyPoeandFriends.com, and you can pick up your tickets and check it out. Um, I'll be there. Uh, Presley will be there with friends and hair industry, uh, which we just had on our show um, not that long ago. Everyone's going to be there. So don't miss it. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. See ya.